So Motaz Amoas, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. I appreciate your time. Um, and I'll give you a bit of a bit of an intro here, really quick. So TEDx speaker, um, an entrepreneur, uh, most of your life, starting out business coach in Dubai, um, now an owner of My Courier. Um, the, so it's a last mile delivery service uh, is what uh, is what Mo's created. A company almost uh, around 130 employees, from my understanding. Um, the father of two. You're born in Egypt. Started your entrepreneur journey in uh, in Dubai there, and then uh, came over to Canada. Sounds like 2019, just before the pandemic, and um, just uh, an inconvenience to yourself is seems like really why you started the the business, built this empire. Right. Um, and from my understanding, you were wanting to get something delivered. There wasn't a service there, and you're like, you know what? Let's uh, let's let's do your part. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie, and thank you for arranging the the talk today. And I uh, I'm excited to uh, yeah to explore our talk, but most important, excited also to uh, to hear you also from there. Yeah, so, yeah, awesome, awesome. So starting off, I want to uh, to take a few steps back into your journey and first paint a picture to the listeners um, a bit about yourself, who you are, um, and it sounds like starting July of 2020 is when things really took off with your delivery business, and. Um, Everything is shut down mostly at that time. How was it starting a business? Starting a business is hard. Never mind in COVID. Right, right, right. So I'll, I'll, let me let me give you a couple of steps earlier, just to give a bit more context to the to the story. Yeah. So, so as you said, we moved in 2019, and I uh, I moved uh, from Dubai. So I yeah. spent most of my career work in Dubai, almost 15 years down there. Um, came here with my wife and my two uh, two boys, and uh, excited for a new journey. Excited for a new uh, story that we're uh, we're going to be writing. Uh, the first couple of months were nice because we treated ourselves as visitors. Yeah, meaning that you know what, a tourist in the country. So we're seeing new things. We're seeing the new parts in the in the in the country. And then I started thinking of okay. You got bills to pay, my friend. It cannot be tourist all your life. You, <laughs> you got a rent that will gonna be coming very due. Yes. So this is where I said, let me then start seeing what can I add right. uh, as value to the country. So I I took the first step of saying maybe I can start by applying for different companies and see if I can be uh, find any jobs that can take me in. I came here at an age of thirty seven. Okay, so it wasn't a, an age that is uh, easy to uh, to get uh, recruited on, especially if you're not from the, the country. So right. uh, unfortunately, I had uh, several rejections. Nope, you're, you don't have either the Canadian experience or you're a bit overqualified or I heard all the different reasons for it. So uh, I'd say two months down the line, I felt that this would be a, a very difficult uh, journey to go on. So let me shift gears. So I said... Let me see if I can start a business. And the first business that I started was somewhere around end of 19. It was an online business, an e-commerce online business. And I said, I'm going to have a product, sell it online, you know, work on all the shipment, uh, production, all these sort of lines in it. The product was an outdoor product, a camping stool, assuming that people will use it somewhere in the summer by the time I have it up and running. Anyway, did the product back in China, samples, everything was clear. Yeah. Got a container full of product shipped all the way to the US. This is where I started the uh, online store. By Feb 1st, 2020, was my first selling of this product online. And it was listed fall 19, right? It was listed on Feb 1st, 2020. Okay. By the time I produced yeah, it, shipped yeah, yeah. it, all these sorts of things. So uh, started selling it. But again, like anything online, you still need to get a bit more of reviews, traction. So it takes, a, takes some time. A month down, and then COVID hits, March 2020. And because it's an outdoor, and outdoor is a very important thing, people were not outdoor. So this product just literally dropped down the line, and it was a disaster. No one wants to buy it. I tried every single possible trick in the book. Discounts, I don't know how, buy one, get one free, <laughs> do this, do that, boom, nothing, nothing. Everyone wanted, you know what, this uh, bakery, uh, kitchen, uh, home, uh, gym. home gym, all these sorts of things. So anyway, a month down the line, I was like, yeah, I need to cut my losses. So I donated all the products. 
And I said, I'm not going to pay for the storage and this. Let me donate it. I donated them. And I can promise you, Charlie, this was a dark time in my career. A dark time because I'm not able to see hope. What drives us in general is hope. There is nothing else that drives a human being, either in business or in life, except that they're seeing some sort of hope. When you're not seeing it, you're just under the blanket. I was literally under the blanket, not able to pass the day. The sun comes up in the morning and I'm like, oh boy, what will I do? What will I do? What will I do? And it was a really hard time. Yeah. But then, and I can promise you also this, sometimes with chaos, opportunities come. And somewhere around May, mid-April, I was picking the phone and I was calling one of the grocery stores near my house and I was like doing an order and I can, can I have a, a delivery? And they were like, we don't have any delivery capacity. Come pick up your stuff. I was like, okay. I went there, I picked up my stuff and I saw an ad on the door, a local company asking for delivery drivers. And you know when a light bulb comes and you say, if there is an issue, if there is a problem and you can solve it, someone will pay you for it. So I said, I want to understand more of this industry. Maybe I can add value. Did I have everything in mind at that time? No. Did I know what I'm going to do? No. But I saw some sort of a problem. Let me jump in. I called the company. I sent them my driving license picture and they were like, you know what? Done. Tomorrow you can start your shift. I took every single shift possible. Morning shift, night shift, west, east, north, wherever it will go for a delivery. I took a delivery on and I went there. And I started, and this is an important part that I think it helped me during the journey, is that during my deliveries, because I used to pick up from retailers, so I used to have a bit more time in the retail until they get their stuff ready and stuff like that. So I used to speak with the either the owner, the person there, and I used to start hearing their pain points. Right. And these pain points were translated in my mind as opportunities to add value. And I started drafting them. By July 2020, I had something in mind that I can add value in, in this industry. Registered the company, it's called My Courier, and I said, I'm going to go in this industry. And boom, I went on. And from this time until now, we have the company and we're, uh, we're growing it. That's awesome. And 130 around employees, is yes, that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. So, and, and just super briefly, I want to take a few steps back before you came to Canada. Um, I, I understand you had a bit of a corporate experience before your entrepreneurial journey. It was a bit of business training, was it, uh, before you came over here? Or? No. So what I, what I had before is my, my first work was um, in corporate jobs. It was purely in marketing and sales in different multinationals. It was uh, CPG's uh, consumer products uh, uh, manufacturing. And uh, I can promise you that I learned a lot of the corporate governors, the processes, the systems from these jobs. Because corporations are really good in putting blueprints. And if you're able to gain this from the corporation and then eventually adjust it to whatever business you're in, yeah. that's, a, that's a hit. So I worked there almost, I think I did maybe five, six years of corporate. And then I came in 2000 and I think it was 10 that I, I had this bug of, let me try something. Let me, let me test myself outside. So I spoke with a couple of my friends and we were like, can we start a business? And at that time we started a business, which is called more moments of real entertainment. It was a offline booklet with discounts from multiple restaurants or coffee shops. And we used to sell this booklet. Now the trick is, and I'm a believer of you take a step and then doors open, really doors open. It's just a matter of when will it open, but it will open. So we, we planned this booklet. We did the design. We met lots of restaurants. We signed contracts. Everything was ready. Everything was ready. Just before printing this booklet, we have a mock-up in our hand. I said to my, uh, my partners, how about we just visit another bunch of corporations and get maybe ads in the booklet? It's, we're going to print it anyways. Right. So we started knocking doors and we started sitting with different companies until one meeting, 
changed my whole career. And this meeting was with Vodafone, the telecommunication. We presented the concept. They liked it and they said, how much would you want? And we can take it exclusive for us. Before you even sent a piece out. Before even printing a piece, not sending it, printing it. They bought the concept. And we signed together a deal. The day I signed this deal is the day I resigned from my corporate. And I said, I have a paid year. Let me see what does this world have for me outside. I resigned and I focused on this project with Vodafone. We created a whole different version because they are a technology company. So they cannot have a booklet. So we had to switch the whole concept from an offline to an online. Anyway, that's another session to speak about. Uh, how would I was able, me and my, my partners, to navigate this technology side without us having background in technology. None of us had any technology background. So um, so we started this. Then after this, I started feeling that that's an industry I would like to be in, the concept of startup businesses. So I partnered with another friend of mine in doing an uh, uh, incubator. And this incubator, we started adding in it uh, potential companies that pass the idea phase and then helping these entrepreneurs to grow, scale, structure, hire. And from there, some of the some of the companies were successful. Some of them was a disaster and they died really fast. But you learned a lot from this journey uh, from there. So this gives me a little bit of background on the journey of starting a company in Canada. So I had a bit of, yeah, like 10 years of uh, of, of, of boot camp. Well, and, and that's a huge change from the security of a corporate job. You you always think there's something there. There's there's higher ups, it's secure. It's But now you're carrying everyone on your back. You're almost 130 employees. It's all on you. Correct. And I'm sure that's a big mindset, mindset shift at first. Um, talk about opportunities. I understand Amazon was one of your first, or if not your first client. Correct. That's not a small contract or corporation. It's not. How... How does that happen? So, um, so, so if you remember, I told you in July 2020, I registered the company. Yeah. And I started knocking doors for retailers, offices, whoever want, you know, a courier business. And fast enough, I started noticing that this is going to take a lot of time to be able to collect it, you know, one parcel at a time. Right. So I was like, I need to have what I call an anchor client, a major client that is willing to shake hands, but at the same time would give you enough volume to be able to scale and grow from there. So I I said, who's the biggest online retailer? Amazon. Okay. Sent to Amazon an email and see how things will go from there. This is exactly what I did. Is I dropped them an email asking to be one of their vendors. And I think being at the right place with the right time is important. And because of COVID, the capacity, they needed more capacity. So they were willing to onboard new vendors. And this is where they replied back. And uh, a story I always say is that uh, when I got the email from Amazon, the first email that says, you know what, we are looking to have an interview with you and get to know you more and stuff like that. I wasn't sure if it's a real email or it was a spam. I was like, man, these scammers, they're so good. You know, even <laughs> too knowing- Too good to be true. Yeah, too good to be true. But anyway, I, I went on, we did the interview. I have to say, and I have to give a lot of credit to Amazon. This is a company that is willing to take risks. And they're able to reap the fruit of these risks. Because yes, they might work with a vendor that are still at the beginning. But because they were able to see a potential in this vendor to grow, at the end of the day, they had with them a vendor that had been now almost four years and we're growing together. We're doing a good performance. They're seeing, you know, a good performance coming in. So not all companies are willing to take a step in the blind, if I can put it right. this way. So what do you think it was that they saw in you, that spark they saw? And it was you at the time. It wasn't the, the company. It was, I understand, no trucks at that time, nothing. Correct. Correct. What did they see in you? You know, this is a good question because actually this was one of the questions that they, they asked. They said, we have vendors that had been 25 years, 30 years in the logistics business, and they, they apply and they want to be working with us. Why should we take a vendor that had been 
three, four month old versus someone that's been 20, 25 years old, which is a very fair question, very fair question. But I can tell you one thing that, uh, that I told them, and I think this is something that I still believe in until now, is that when you have a person that is hungry to survive, the drive that they have to make things happen is in a different ballgame. Unmatched. It's unmatched. You cannot compete with someone that is looking to survive versus someone that is looking to just have a sherry over the cake. So I think what they saw in the whole discussions that I had is this is someone that would do anything possible to be able to bring this to life to a standard that matches nothing you can think of. And I think this is the this drive is something if you're able to show genuinely to your customers, clients, whoever, they will just simply say, I'm buying a, a hunter. Yeah. I'm gonna be a hunter down there for them. And I think that's that's it. And Plus, that's what they saw in you through you being able to, uh, I'm sure, present to them and, and get it off, display it to them. Um, one thing I do want to touch on, your, your TED Talk, um, you mentioned uh, a few times about passion and passion is what will set you apart. Passion, success without passion doesn't exist, that sort of thing. This is a different, this isn't just passion. This is, this is, um, sink or swim. This is you, you, there's no, no, isn't an option. You have to make it work. And I find, um, passion in business can wipe the passion out many times. Um, I've, I've seen it. I've, I've seen it. What, what are your thoughts on that? The balance, keeping them separate, does it work? Does it not? And how did you implement it into your businesses? So I, you know, the the actual talk that I had about in the, the, the talk was around passion. Is it something you find or is it something you build? I'm a believer that passion is something not to find. It's something you build. And currently I'm in the last mile delivery. I'm in an industry which I didn't have a lot of history with before. Am I passionate about? 100%. Did I know that I'm going to be passionate about? No. So you built it through the so sink. You built it. And I think passion is something that is built by seeing some results. And the moment you're starting something, and that's a, that's a trend I have been seeing in all the businesses I worked on, or even people that had been asking me for some recommendation. Usually you start something as a hobby or an interest. The moment you start something and then people, the surrounding see that you are an expert in it and start asking you for opinion, this is where you're like, ah, interesting. Maybe there is something there that I have an extra in that I can maybe invest a bit more. Then this is called initial results. You will invest more time because you felt people are relying on you. Then you'll have an external circle which people don't know you. They will come and pay you money to get this sort of experience or sort of service or the, pa- the passion, if you want to put. This is where, this is the moment that I would call your passion will grow. No one is born, or at least no one knows what is the passion they're in. No one, no one. Passion is built through consistency of getting results and acknowledgement. And this acknowledgement could be a thank you. This acknowledgement could be a money, fees paid for a service that you did. Or this acknowledgement could be a certain result you're seeing on yourself, a development, a weight loss. And then you weigh, you lose a little bit of pounds. Results, you'd be passionate about seeing the hope. Hope, well done, well done. Interesting. So the I, I, while we're on the TED Talk topic, I, I do want to touch on um, you coming up. You was uh, when you were younger. Uh, for any listeners who are younger out there, and the the mirage is your words used um, that set uh, the standard set um, on these young individuals. Go to school, get your certificate, uh, that piece of paper. And, and to me, I got out of high school early and started started working. Um, that that piece of paper from post secondary education that's like that's the standard our parents or my parents know and that generation knows but things change so quick whether it's kids doing drop shipping um getting into the trade super early there's so many more uh, avenues opening up what do you have to say to those those kids kids but young adults growing up now who have their parents influence 
their parents' experiences 50 years ago. Correct. So I, I, I heard a video, and I think it was a spot on. I can't recall the person, so I'll give credit to whoever the person who said it. But the idea of going and having a university degree or any type of degree is just a foot in the door to tell a potential employer that I was able to consistently perform for four years and get a certificate. So the idea is whenever you go to an employer or even a client, they need to see some sort of credential. What differentiates you and prove that whatever you're saying, you'll be able to do it. You see, with the younger generation, there are lots of things that they can do. One is sports. Sports is one of the things that shows a lot the dedication, the resilience, the discipline. And you would see people sometimes, or, or younger generation, he doesn't need to have proven that he had been in university, but he can prove that he had performed something in sports and achieved certain goals in sports. All what the employer or a potential client wants is to understand that you have the attitude and the character to keep going when it is tough, because things were going to be tough. How can you prove it? How can you prove that you can follow a system or how can you prove that you have this resilience? If you don't have sports or a degree, then what can I rely on? For the credibility. For the credibility. Somehow. 100%. So it's credibility. Some people could be as, uh, 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 I wouldn't say lucky, but as smart as you that they actually built something. So eventually that on its own is a credibility that you built a company you show that you are able to move it forward year after year, have your team, have your clients, have this and that. And this on its own is a credibility. Everyone is building a CV. CVs are there to show history of a person. When you're young, you don't have a CV. And that's why your education is your first paid place to show from it a bit of CV. Right. If it makes sense. Well, yeah, it does make sense. The credibility one one way or Correct. another. So so jumping back in, into the first years of your business, there must have been such a learning curve in this whole new industry to you. Yeah. What, what were a few uh, key takeaways from that, just those first 12 months of the business? Um, some eye-opening takeaways. Um, I'll tell you one thing that actually I was literally thinking of it a couple of days ago, and I think it's uh, it's key. I wouldn't call it the beginner's luck, but I call it the beginner's ignorance. Okay, sometimes when you don't know something, you're okay to try out. But the moment you start knowing about something, you're like, ah, what? how will I be able to do it? I mean, it, it's complicated. I think I was blessed enough that I didn't know so much about how complicated this industry could be that I was able to take some steps that if someone looks at it, they will say, dude, you're so naive that you ask this question or you're so naive to even come and ask for this deal. How can you think of that? Yeah, because I don't know. And I think this is something that if people are able to keep it in their mind as they are growing their business is don't lose the beginner's hat. Don't. Because the beginner's hat is the only thing that will make you take steps that can show that you're either naive or would put your ego on a side, which sometimes kill us. At the beginning when I started, I wasn't sure if I'm going to be able to get vans or not. I went and I knocked doors for each and every dealer of vans to lease vans. They were like, you're a three, four-month-old company, you don't have any credit. You're really coming and asking this question? And some of them looked at me as a, a, a kid. You don't know, you don't even know business. What are you asking for? But I think the resilience of feeling that maybe someone out there will have it and knocking doors until at the end you find this right match with the right formula to move forward was one of the, the things that was important at the, at the beginning. And uh, I can I can relate to that more. I'm 17. We have five trucks, and I I, I don't know how did you end up uh, being a newcomer, and what was the solution to that, real quick? Yeah. So so there was a mix of solutions. One of them was renting. Yeah. To start out with uh, with renting, um, the other thing that I did was um, I used some passenger vans. Okay. Um, 
where did I get this passenger vans is I got it from the uh, airport. So the airport was in a shutdown. This was 2020. Um, all the limousine companies were at hold. They had tons of vans that are collecting dust. So I took myself, I went to the airport and I checked one of these limousines. I was like, I'm looking to do one, two, three, four, five. Are you willing to partner with me in it? And one of them was smart enough. He said, yeah, you know what? I'm willing. Let's do it. And we started, I started using the first couple of vans as passenger vans just to prove that that's a genuine company. We got some invoices, some cash started coming in. There is a certain traction that you see in our financials. And the moment you start having traction, other vendors will start saying, okay, now we can start giving you vans. Now you can start buying them. Now you can start leasing them. And the, the bank can start giving you leverage to, to lease your vans and just opens up uh, the doors from there. So once you got the ball rolling, it can. 100%. The toughest one is the first ball rolling. You need to have someone, a client, a vendor, an angel investor, someone that believes in you as a person yeah. to say, I'm going to bet on you. Prove me right. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to touch on uh, learning to say no. As an entrepreneur, there's always, always want to do the next thing, always right. want to do everything, super optimistic. How, how have you learned to say no? And it's not easy. And really focusing on what you're good at, looking at um, not, not spreading yourself too thin. So it depends, on the, uh, it depends on the phase you're in. A survival mode phase you're not really focused on saying no to, you're in survival. Anyone that will throw you a stick, you're in the middle of the ocean. Uh, throw me a stick, I'm going to swim to it. I, I need to survive. So you will not really think of, is this stick big enough to carry me or not? Or is it in the right direction? Or that's all are trivials for you at that time. You're literally sinking and you need just to float. So I think what is important is shifting gears from, a survival, own operate type of company into a growth mode of this is an organization I'm building now a system. And the moment you start going into this of building now a system, an organization, this is where your priorities will be clear to know when to say no. Because this is where you would have maybe clients that doesn't fit your portfolio or doesn't fit your value. You might easily say, you know what, Maybe there's someone outside that will service you much better than our value or service that we give right now. And that's saying no in a decent way. But I do understand there are people out there, especially now with this whole economical toughness that we're in, that we don't have the leverage or the possibility to say no for an opportunity. Or even if it's not seen as a full opportunity, but there is hope to be an opportunity. You will say yes for it. But if you are in a decent position, stable enough, have enough fuel to run your business and your, run your team, then this is where you would need to say yes or no. I ran into last year, I had an opportunity to open in another country. Okay. And knowing myself, I said, yes. One year down the line, I shut down. And when I'm looking back and I'm reflecting, it took a lot of resources, time, money, energy, relationships, everything, everything. When I'm looking back, did I give it enough thought of where does it fit in my priorities? No. I think I chose it because I wanted to prove to myself that maybe I can do it, which was the wrong reason. Now, reflecting back, this was an ego selection. This was not a real business selection. And I think eventually people learn. And what's important is not the, the, the wrong that you did. It's what did you gain out of it and how will this shape you and your mind for the future? So learning from that experience, what, um, like really, what, what could you take away and, and why didn't it work out? So next time, if you were going to do it again, mm -hmm. when you are more prepared, it's not an ego decision. What would have gone different? Uh, the main thing is finding the right local partner. 
So the challenge that I had is I had the idea in mind and I started searching for a person on, in the market. The challenge is when you start searching for a person in the market, you have one of the two options. Either it's a partner coming in with equity, but maybe not paid the market price for his compensation, or hiring someone and paying the market fair price for their compensation. When I jumped there, because it's a new company, I wanted someone that was more in a partnership rather than a compensation, especially that I'm not in the country itself. I'm here in Canada. So the challenge is that having to sell the idea as a partner to someone else is hard. It has to come the opposite. The person needs to come and tell you, by the way, I have this opportunity. I will run it. I need your support or your guidance or your financial or your network or your connection, whatever it is. But having the business idea and selling it to an entrepreneur doesn't go. Having the business idea and having the right investment and hiring someone could go. But then the question is, the person you're hiring, is he the right caliber to start and kickstart a company from scratch? Or is he someone that can maintain? Right. And my position is I sold it to an entrepreneur, but his priorities were different. So he wasn't 100% focused on this specific business. So eventually it didn't take off as it should be. And I had to pull away because it was going to drain my resources and priorities of focusing in Canada. Interesting. So let's talk, uh, I, I want to touch on family super quick. You're raising uh, two awesome athletic young men and um, raising, what are a few things like you're super successful, motivated, athletic, and all the time, or not all the time, but I, I see it way too often, a younger generation, they're on their iPad, their video games, this and that, and getting up to no good. What are a few things that is a real priority of yours to instill in, in your, your kids uh, to make sure they're um, successful and not soft at the same time? Um, I'll tell you one thing is I'm, and it's something I'm, I'm not good at, good at yet is I don't spend enough time with them. And I think also because of the phases I went through coming in here and the phase of the survival and the phase of thinking of getting a business and making sure you're able to pay your bills. Unfortunately, the family part is the one that goes to the back seat, and the front seat is just purely around how can I put a formula in place. Now, this is the time I'm trying to install a little bit more time in the family. But if there's one thing I'm trying to showcase is not to tell them what to do, more as lead by example. So I'm trying to show them what I'm doing, which is my normal life. I wake up, I try to go to the gym, not consistent as every single day, but again, that's life, there's ups and downs, that's okay. So wake up, go to the gym, go to work, be able to be of a value to your clients, show them all the ups and downs that I have. I genuinely speak with them whenever I have a problem in the business. So they know that life is not a straight line and you're just simply doing amazing as what people sometimes show on social media. There are times that are really tough, really tough. And this is the what segregates someone from the other is controlling their emotions when it's really tough. And not controlling your emotions as not accepting it. You still accept your emotions at the beginning, but how can you shift gears quickly from there? And if I'm able to show them the reality on me and they can take whatever they feel is fitting their character, this would be a win for me. I have no clue what they might be inspiring for, what they want to do, or what is the definition of success for them in the future. But definition of success for me to them would be giving them options. Just open options for them. Options of you can study this or this. You can have a career or you can go into sports. You can uh, do a, a corporate job or be an entrepreneur. Again, open the options and give them a glimpse of one part of these options through me as a live example. And then eventually choose whatever makes you comfortable and happy and successful uh, in your own definition for the future.
That's awesome. That's awesome. So you you touched there uh, briefly, um, ups and downs, being in a rut, and it's part of life. It happens. But um, there's downward spirals, but then there's upward spirals. Correct. Spirals and turning that around is an important skill. Correct. Because when when you're going downhill, sometimes you, you can get uh, lose clarity um, and and slowly getting those wins and getting consistent wins, getting back on top of things. Uh, what's worked with you? Because running a business is not for the faint of heart. No, it's 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 hard. But I'll I'll tell you the the, the summary of it is anything has a solution. It's just a matter of you don't know it yet. Anything. And to add to it is solutions, and I, I saw it, the creative side of bringing a solution to life, it doesn't happen in the moment of the issue or the, the problem. But people pay you, not in good times, people pay you in bad times. They pay you when they have a problem and they need your solution or your service. I mean, when it's snowing outside, this is where you would start working. This is, you, you really hope snow because your business starts flourishing. People will not pay you if it doesn't snow outside. Yeah. So this is the thing is the challenge that people see is an opportunity that you can convert. So if you're able to change the mindset frame of seeing a problem into an opportunity, you'll be able to gain a lot. But again, at the end, we're human beings. We still get emotions from problems. That's normal. It's just a matter of how fast can you really shift gears from problem, emotion, and anger, and dissatisfaction, and demotivation into action, opportunity, gaining something out of it. Solution. Solution. Turn it over. And, and that's the experience and the maturity of people in business. The more you're in business, the more you're maturing and getting the experience, the more you're able to shift gears instead of uh, three days feeling anger, it becomes yeah. two becomes a date, becomes an hour. And then you're boom, boom. Someone comes in and tell you, shoot, we got this, 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 this. You'd be like, give me an hour. Let me just like chest it. And this hour is just simply for you to bring all these emotions in place, breathe, change and shift gears into the action and then tell them, come back. Yeah. I got an idea now. And also being that leader and having that, uh, being able to do that of like, boom, here's our solution. This is what we're doing. Because urgency is so important, especially when you have that massive team. It's like, Correct. they all rely on you. If you're just putting a pause on things for three days, it doesn't work like that. 100%. But then I would have to say is, you also need time for yourself. You're, you're, you're a machine, but you need maintenance. You cannot be running, you know, at uh, at speed uh, five all the time. You need rests. And it's important to understand yourself, your body, your mind, your, this machine, how does it run? And the more you are into or in the grind, the more you will understand, oh man, you know what? A month and then I get burned out. Just before this month, I need to take X. Or maybe small little uh, walks or going to the gym or having a yoga, whatever the type of thing that will re-energize you back. You cannot just keep running without having these bursts of re-energizing part. Yeah, like let's let's dive into that a bit more because I've I've struggled with optimizing and finding the balance of I, I don't like the word balance, but really optimizing uh, your day to day, your output, mm. but still maintaining it. Sure, I could outwork you two days, Monday, Tuesday, 20-hour day, but Wednesday, I'm, I'm shot. I'm useless. Correct. So I, I want, like, what's worked for you? Because for me, as long as I'm getting my my nine hours of maintenance, my nine hours sleep, gym, back to it, let's go. What what works for you? Um, if you understand that it's, it's peaks, so any business have their peaks. If you understand there's a peak and then there's a, release or uh, an easy time that you can breathe a bit. I think things that worked for me is routine. Routine works pretty well because you make sure that your mind is not always creatively thinking of all these small little details that you have. You want to keep your mind ready to think of the key things. I mean, sometimes people go to a routine that is extreme of we're wearing the same shirt every day, like the people in the tech industry, for example, in yeah. the U.S., 
they wear the same exact shirt. And when they ask them why, they say, because I want to release my brain from thinking of details. That's a bit more of an extreme. But the idea of making sure that certain things in your day are in structure, that then you leave the bigger capacity to be able to generate is an important part. So I, I enjoy routine and it helps me a lot in my day. Any source of uh, or sort of exercise is, is, is a release for me. It's a gym, it's a walk, it's a bike, whatever it is, any source. I think the body, the movement of the body just energize your overall mood uh, in a way. Nutrition is key. Whatever you put in your body will affect your day, 100%. You have too much of carbs that your body needs to digest. Your whole energy of your body will be into the digestive system. It's not going to be cleared in your brain. So again, nutrition, and I'm not talking to be so much into what exactly you're eating, but being conscious in what comes down in your body is super important. And then the last thing is, I think, and it helps me, but again, I'm not super consistent in, is uh, sleep. I mean, sleep is super important. Uh, I'm against the model of let's sleep only four hours and this. I'm, I'm against this model. I'm a model of your body needs to rest a decent six, seven hours sleep. So having a consistency on this part help. Um, also people that surrounds you. I mean, you can have people that gives you energy and people that are high maintenance they're always nagging. They need their attention, the attention. So you're always there to, you know, give them soft talks or help them out. Or, I mean, these are, these are too much high maintenance. I try to take the high maintenance out. I mean, life doesn't need a lot of high maintenance people in our life. Uh, there are other people that can do the high maintenance better than me, maybe a life coach or someone else that can, you know, handle the... Or some people like that. They feel some people, they feel they're in... in important being that babysitter some people need and that's why they have those relationships but there's others where it's go 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 and you feed off that iron sharpens iron yeah so in in talking about culture and persona and um your i guess vibe what you let off your energy that's a really important part of being a leader how you show up and present yourself yes goes all the way down 130 employees to the one employee yes it's like so, so throughout your your team culture, how do you maintain that um, having a providing a good place to work and and show so people enjoy coming to work? You know, I was uh, I was speaking with one of my uh, team members, and I'm telling him it's a very, very, very thin line between res- having someone to respect you and love working with you and taking you for granted. There's a very thin line because. You still want to be approachable, but you want to make sure that the business and whatever we are setting is taken serious. And this thin line is something that needs a balance. I say a couple of things that are key. Your values are the company's values. It cannot be mixed. It cannot be like, uh, yeah, the company's value, I don't know, uh, uh, teamwork, but you're a kind of person that actually don't like teamwork. You like to work alone. You're on the side. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because you are the company. I'm talking about small and medium-sized businesses. So the way I do it is very simple. I have a video that I had shot for every single team member when they join the company. They receive it on their onboarding welcome email. Unfortunately, I don't meet every single person because, again, we're in an industry that is a very high hiring uh, number of people. So, I mean, every week we might hire three, four, five people every single week. So no way I would be able to meet everyone. So that's why I send them the video for at least until I meet them face to face. So the video speaks about the five values that company and myself follow. And I think it is key that whatever values you say you're really working on it in the company. If you speak about respect, 100% respect to everyone. And if someone picks up the phone and tell the company, I felt disrespected by a customer, you need to stand up and show them that you're going to fight back for them 
against this customer until you make sure that they are respected back. So walk your talk. Walk your talk big time, big time. And this is key, but also it has to work the other side. So if we say respect and someone disrespects another colleague, fast, strong actions need to be taken. It's not a fluffy type of uh, values. And the moment people understand that these values are important, you will attract the right people to the organization. So people that feel these values are close to them, they'll come. One of the values we have is hard work. And I believe of hard work. Just to put it in perspective, our operation is seven days a week. We work almost 362 days a year. Okay, We take Christmas off and pretty much it, that's all. So hard work is important because we don't shut down the operation. If someone is looking for, yeah, you know what, I cannot work a lot, I cannot do this, I cannot do that, that's fine. There are other organizations that you might be able to fit quite well. But if you're looking for an organization that you will learn a lot, you will work hard, and you will grow, and you will be able to develop yourself, then maybe we're a good fit for you. So these are the things that you need to show. And I show it, as you said, I show it in my energy. I show up in the morning exactly as I want people to be. I make sure I, when I leave, I leave exactly the same way I want, show, I show, want people to be. It's not like I'm not there or you don't see me working hard or I'm not going to be on the road or I'm not going to be on the ground. or I'm, not, I'm never going to ask someone to do something I will not do myself in a certain way. So carrying everyone on your back and making that known and clear that you're, you're willing to do the hard work just as much as they should be too. Correct. Respect. That's, Correct. that's awesome. That's awesome. Good. So next steps, what's, what's next? What's, what's next for you, the company? Where, uh, where, where, where are the plans the next few years? It's a good question. And if I tell you that the next steps always changes for one big reason, the reason I have for changing my, uh, my plans is when you're working by yourself, on the strategy, sometimes you would have something in mind and then you will think of it and then find something else that interests you and then move from here and there. But the main steps is I'm vested and invested in the delivery. So I like this industry. I'm growing my own personal knowledge in it, my own network, my own um, capacity and capabilities. But the other thing on a personal level also is and that's a, a side thing is I speak a lot with people like what we're having right now, a talk, a genuine talk on, you know, the learnings, what we learned. And I see a lot of things happening that people, people want to see hope. And the moment you're able to speak with someone in front of you, a human being, that you feel you made something or you moved and it was not easy for you and it was hard and it was this and that, I see it in their eyes that they're able to feel, maybe I can hustle. Maybe I can jump in. Maybe I can do this idea I wanted. Maybe I can put myself out there. So one of the things that I have committed to myself is that if one day I had hope that gave me this steps to move forward, it's a duty for me is to share these hopes, to give people somewhere an idea of, Save you money, save you time, learn from what I had. Open book, book, this is what I had. Just if there's anything that can help you, take it, please. Because the best feeling is getting that phone call three, four years later, like, hey, Mo, our, our chat, like, that was, that was awesome. 100%, 100%. Yeah, unmatched. Unmatched, unmatched. Is to have someone that one day feels that one word you said affected them positively, Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is impactful. So uh, like a standard, a persona that you've carried throughout your career, not just in Canada, but um, Dubai, back home. Um, what is uh, that that you've carried throughout your whole career? A standard that this wouldn't have happened unless you didn't carry or unless you've you continued to carry that standard. Three words. Growth mindset positivity that everything works 
or you. So eventually it works well. And then the last one is progress really matters. Every day, if you take one step, eventually this compounded steps will mean something. No way on earth you will know the full picture outcome if you're not able to take these small steps in the fog until it clears and you see this beautiful scenery eventually. So slowly stacking those wins. 100%, 100%. I mean, I, I do a couple of videos every uh, every week. I call it reflections. And one of the things that I close with is progress really matters. It's just this one step that you take every day. You don't really need to care about how many steps are still in the front. Don't, don't care about it. Just, just put your take, head down and do just it. One step, one step, one meal in your diet, one exercise, one rep, one client, one email, one phone call, just this one thing that you do today, eventually it will be compounded. That's awesome. Awesome, Mo. Well, before we wrap this up, um, I, I want you to uh, leave leave us with something for the younger generation, the younger guys starting out, the, the guys listening. They're just starting their, their entrepreneurial journey. Uh, what is one key piece of advice that you have for them? Uh, my key piece of advice is there is no overnight success. Please don't trust what you see on social media with the... Lamborghinis and the watches and the private jets and all these sort of things, whatever it is, the way they did it, there is nothing called overnight success. The only way to build the business is one step at a time until eventually there's a door that will open that would be huge and humongous. And this would be your big opportunity that will give you a leap. But this door doesn't open in one day. It's just progressively putting the thing. So keep your heads down, work, study, gain knowledge, gain skills, sharpen your souls until this opportunity open. And the scary part is you don't know when that that's going to happen. The right. opportunity, that door is going to open. Correct. But 1% every day just slowly 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 and then and then boom it looks like overnight success Correct. but sure as hell isn't for the outside it looks like an overnight for success the, yeah exactly. but for yourself internally you know not at all this was not an overnight success people this no. was a lot of hard works and years and pain and sweat put awesome. into it mo thank you very much i appreciate your time this this was awesome love it thank you very much charlie